Pastor, our founding pastor, Richard Gurton, is not allowed to answer this question. He's here with us, so you're not allowed to say anything. Does anybody recognize this picture? Go ahead and show it. Does anybody know where that's from? Mark does. Did I hear you say out in the hall? You win. All right. First service, nobody knew. Just sat there staring at me. And a couple people in here knew. This is actually in our church lobby right out there. And I think it's interesting how often we can walk by the same thing over and over and never notice it, right? This past week, as I was doing sermon preparation, I was walking down to this end of the church, most likely to get coffee. And as I walked by, I stopped and, and I saw this image and I was like, man, these are really good. We had these commissioned when we were building this new sanctuary. And then I was like, I, I want to read what's underneath it here. I don't know what made me do it. But as I started to read it, I realized it was the Spirit of God. So let me read to you what it says underneath. Let's go ahead and put that up. It says, Christ the Shepherd. The portrait of Christ. See if I can follow along here. The portrait of Christ as our shepherd described in the scriptures is a picture of his care for us. How familiar and encouraging are the words of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. To know Christ is to know the completeness of his care. Now this is what really grabbed my attention, the second part. It says, as we live in relationship with him, his mandate to us, as shown in Christ's staff in this drawing echoes in our ears. Here's the question. Do you love me? Tend my lambs. His love inspires us to ask ourselves, do others know the care of Christ through me? We are called to put away childish, self-centered ways as illustrated in the shepherd boy's staff, a quote from 1 Corinthians 13, and offer ourselves on his behalf, keeping watch. 1 Peter 5.2 says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God desires. So ironically, before I even saw this in the hall, I was feeling moved to preach on a passage in John 21. It's actually quoted in this drawing. I even titled this sermon, Do You Love Me? And as I saw that, I was like, wow, how amazing that that's hung in our hall for decades. And it is funny to me how many people just don't even see it. But there's a message there. See, this question was posed to a disciple, a follower and a friend of Jesus named Peter. This was after the resurrection, which we just celebrated this past Sunday. And I'm going to take a time out quick. Thank you to everybody who helped make Easter happen last week. We had uh, one indoor service where we had four baptisms. Alan Henrietta led us in hymns. We heard a message from Chris. And then we were able to have an outdoor service, which I know seemed crazy after it snowed last week, but we were like, God's going to do this. And it was awesome. It was gorgeous out. Uh, thanks to the Browns for letting us use their stage and sound system. All of the staff and volunteers that helped and our praise team. It was such a, an awesome time to glorify God. So I just wanted to say that Resurrection Sunday was awesome. But we all know the story of resurrection. If you don't, then go ahead and watch last Sunday's service, and you will. And something powerful happens in the weeks after resurrection. Jesus meets with his disciples off and on and shares with them some important instruction. So we're going to look at John chapter 21. 
I encourage you, if you're at home, to turn to John 21, pull out your app, pull out the sermon notes. If you're here, you can do that as well. We're going to be resting in John 21 for a while this morning. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going to go out and fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, hey, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus, and he called out to them, friends, have you had any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is the author of this passage, which is ironic that he's writing, Jesus loves me most, (laughs) as he's writing this, said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off. Now, let me explain this real quick. He was not naked. In this kind of thing, they had people in a boat, and some of the people had to jump out of the boat to help get the nets. Peter was one of those people, so he had taken his outer cloak off to get wet. So he's putting his outer cloak back on. Okay? He jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So we're going to stop there and just kind of talk through this for a second. There are a few things to point out about this first part of John 21. First of all, Peter was a fisherman by trade. So after the resurrection, after everything had happened, he went back to his hometown of Galilee and started to fish again. He needed to support his family, to get food, so he did that. That's normal for him to go do that. What's interesting, though, is who they named that were with Peter, okay? So it said that there was Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, who were James and John, and a couple other disciples. So Peter was from Galilee, but some of these other guys weren't. They were called in different areas in Jesus' ministry, and yet they were all together. So we see a relationship, a bond has formed, has developed with the disciples. After the resurrection, instead of splitting up, they've come back together. They're fishing together. They're hanging out. And so Jesus uses this as, as an opportunity to speak to this group of men. The other thing to note is that Peter is still a passionate, compulsive man. After all, Peter was the guy that jumped out of the boat originally to walk on water with Jesus. When Jesus said, do it, he was like, sure, and just did it, right? He's compulsive. He's passionate. He's also the one that would claim just weeks prior, I'll never deny you, ever. It won't be me. He's also the one that when they came and took Jesus to arrest him, he went on the offensive and he cut a guy's ear off. Passionate, compulsive. And now we read, Peter's the same guy. He's literally 100 yards offshore, and instead of just bringing the boat in, he's like, Jesus, and and dives in and swims after him, right? He's compulsive. He's passionate. 
And I think Jesus is well aware of Peter's passion. He has seen him do these things over and over again. And so in verse 15, he pulls Peter to the side and he, he has a conversation with him. And I can just imagine Peter's probably still a little wet, dripping from the water. And Jesus is like, Peter, man, a man of passion. He says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, first of all, imagine being Peter, being asked this in front of all of the other disciples. See, they were all gathered eating. They were hearing this conversation, and Jesus is asking Peter three times, do you love me? Meanwhile, they're all very well aware of the fact that mere weeks before, Peter had denied Jesus three times. So Jesus says, do you love me three times? And I can only imagine the posture of Peter here. It reminds me of my son Everett when he gets into trouble and he won't look me in the eyes and he hangs his head. Have you ever had that happen with a, a child where they get in trouble and they're like, yeah, it was me. You know, like they don't want to look at you. So Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And I'm thinking in Peter's voice, maybe it's not too convincing because I think he's a little sheepish knowing that he had just denied Jesus, and he's like, yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. Yeah. Maybe it's not too convincing. I can imagine what's going on in his head. Why would Jesus have to ask me this? I'm, I'm wet. I literally just jumped out of a boat to be with him. Of course, I'm showing how passionate I am for him. Of course, I love him. Why would you even question that? And instead of Jesus just saying, hey, man, I love you too. Let's, let's come in for a hug. All is forgiven. He doesn't do that. He says, feed my lambs. He gives him a directive to movement. Okay, you love me, so do something. And again, Jesus asks, do you love me? Again, I picture my son Everett. Why are you asking me this again? I just said yes. Are you serious right now? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I just said I, I love you. And yet again, Jesus responds with a directive to move, take care of my sheep. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but Jesus is also using Peter's formal name throughout this. He's saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The dreaded full name. How many of you have experienced that before? I remember hearing that from Pastor and Pam, who started this church years ago, in this very room, Jonathan Richard Gurton. You'd better get it together right now. Your father's up there preaching. <laughs> well, we've, we've heard that, right? Jonathan Richard Gurton, I say it to my son Everett, sometimes when he's in trouble, Everett Richard. And when you hear that full name, you know, okay, things are serious. No more joking around. This is grabbing your attention. We mean business. There's a weight to it, isn't there? And Jesus had renamed 
Simon, son of John, to Peter. So Simon, Peter, and now he's saying Simon, son of John. So he's saying, I want your attention. Now Peter's hurt. He says, you know all things. You, you know that I love you. But I also think this is probably when it starts to sink in for him. Jesus just asked me this three times. Just weeks ago, I denied him three times. Maybe there's a weight to that, a heaviness. Maybe there's a sweetness to that. Jesus is giving me an opportunity to make up for what I did. To say, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to love you. But Jesus, again, he, he directs him to feed my sheep. There's so much to draw from in this passage. We could spend three to four weeks on this. So we're just going to spend about three to four hours here this morning. And then we'll call it good. Is that all right? I'll order some pizza. We'll just hang out. Okay? I'm not going to do that. All right, let's take a look at Peter, though. We've already mentioned Peter was a man of passion. We've mentioned that, and I think it's important for us to define what passion is. What is passion? According to Merriam-Webster, passion is defined as emotion. Intense, driving, or overmastering feeling or conviction. It could also be an outbreak of anger. Ardent affection. A strong like or desire for or devotion to some activity, object, or concept. So it's that fiery emotion inside of you, this passion. Peter was passionate. He was passionate about fishing. Of all things that he could have gone back to after being with Jesus, he went back to fishing. He knew that that passion served him well because it helped feed his family. It helped bring in food for the surrounding families in Galilee. Peter was passionate about his status. I mean, he feared those knowing he was with Jesus when he was in the temple courts and they were uh, attacking Jesus and they asked, do you know Jesus? He said, nope, I don't know, because he feared his status being hit by that. Later on in this very passage, he fears his status again because he asks about the disciple Jesus loves John and he says, what about him? What are you going to do about him instead of focusing on himself? And he was also passionate about Jesus. We've, we've already talked about that. He dives in the water. He does all these things. He's passionate for his friend. And I think we can be the same in our own lives. For me, I'm passionate about baseball. You want to talk to me about the Tigers? That's great. I'll sit down and talk with you about the Tigers. I've had many conversations with Elijah about that. We text about it, stuff like that. With stats, watching the games. You talk about Akil Badu, if you know who he is, I will talk to you forever about that. He's a great rookie on the team. See, passionate, just coming out of me right there. I'm passionate about music. I'm passionate about movies, media, technology. Uh, Nick and I can sit and have a talk about Lord of the Rings, Marvel, Star Wars for hours. And Chris will just sit there staring at us like, who are you? <laughs> See, I think we can even be passionate about our relationship with Christ. We have intense passion when we're on the mountaintop with God. Much like Resurrection Sunday. There's two uh, days in the calendar of the church that are passionate Sundays, right? When we celebrate Christmas, when we celebrate Easter, those are the high mountaintop experiences. We're passionate about those days. We want to come in and say, he lives, he is risen, he is risen indeed. There's this passion coming out of us. See, Jesus knows about our passion. He also knew about Peter's passion, and he was witness to Peter's in person again and again. But he wants to use our passions to show his love to others. Passion in itself is not bad unless it's not used for the glory of God. 
See, I believe it's exactly this, this reason that he knows Peter is passionate, that Jesus asks Peter again and again, do you love me? He doesn't say, do you have affection towards me? Are you passionate about me? He says, do you love me? Because there's a difference between being passionate about someone, towards someone, and loving them. So what is love according to Jesus? Let's go to John 15, verse 12. It says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So first off, love is sacrificial. You're willing to give up in order to love. We hear this a lot at weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm just a noise. I'm a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I am so passionate that I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So what is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In other words, I can be so full of passion and be doing all of the right things, but if I don't have love, it's meaningless, it's worthless. You see, passion can shift from one thing to another. I'm passionate about the tigers, but they're awful. They're letting me down. And so maybe last night I might have turned off the game. They were, my passion was failing me a little bit, so I was like, eh, I'm going to do something else. See, passion can fail us. Passion can shift. Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Because he recognizes the potential in Peter. He sees how passionate he is, and he's like, if only you could gear that passion towards spreading my name and showing my love to this world, man, you wouldn't be able to be stopped. But Peter's passion was to prove himself to those around him. Peter's passion was status. So are we passionate in the same way? Are we passionately attending church? We come every week, we're like, I'm passionate about FBC, I'm going to be there. I'm passionately reading my Bible because I'm supposed to. I'm passionately pursuing Jesus because that's what I'm supposed to do. But we're not including love in all of those things. Are we doing a religion and not a relationship? Are we pursuing all of the things we're supposed to do but not loving Jesus? See, passion can come across as a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal when it's not used for the glory of the Savior. There are many times where you can hear a song or you can see someone speaking and they're very passionate, but you just see the underlying lack of love and it doesn't connect. I remember my mom growing up used to say, you need to sing with pathos, which means to sing with passion. And I loved singing, but I'm not one that shows it on my face a lot when I sing. Does that mean I'm not loving? 
No, my heart is engaging, but sometimes maybe my passion and my love aren't in connection. So when Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Inherently in that question, he's asking, if you love me, where's the fruit of that love? Better yet, who's receiving the fruit of that love? Because if you love me, that love should be pouring in you, out through you, to others. Because that's what he defined love as. And Peter again and again says, yes, Lord, I love you. And each time Jesus responds with, okay, you say you love me. Do something with it. Don't just hold on to that love. Don't just say, God loves me. I'm going to be passionate about the fact that he loves me. Do something with it. He says the same thing to us today. Do you love me? If you love me, then where is the fruit being seen in the lives around you? Are you sharing my love to your friends, your families, your, your neighbors, strangers, maybe those you disagree with, the people you don't like, the people that annoy you? Are you showing care to the sheep around you? As the picture in the lobby said, do others know the care of Christ through me? Do others know the care of Christ through me? Jesus knows his time on earth is coming to an end as he knows that his ascension is coming, that he's going to be going to heaven, and he chooses this time, this opportunity, to share this with Peter and the surrounding disciples. This is an important thing for us to hear. But it's also important to point out that the first time Jesus asks Peter about loving him, he says, do you love me more than these? The rest of the times he says, do you love me? Many, many scholars will debate on what he's talking about. Is he saying, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than these men that you're with? Do you love me more than your surrounding of Galilee, your hometown? Who do you love more than me? Regardless, it's as if God is saying, do you love me more than all of these earthly things you're holding on to? See, one of the things is status for Peter. Do you love me more than the status you have as provider for your family through fishing? Do you love me more than the status you have as a disciple of Jesus? What are you willing to give up in order to love me more fully? If love is sacrificial, what are you willing to give up? And it's in that moment that it gets Peter. It, it fully connects with him, and he moves on, and everything's fine, right? No. Peter's a little uh, stubborn. So guess what he says next in John 21, verse 20. So Jesus just told him all this stuff. And he's like, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus, Peter's like, yeah, I get that. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. He said, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus just said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do these things. I'm giving you directive. And he's like, okay, cool. But what about John? What about that guy? I know you're talking to me, but that doesn't really matter right now. I'm concerned with John right now because he keeps saying he's the one that you love. You're, he's the disciple that's loved. Like, you love me too, right? I'm Peter. I'm your guy. What about John? Jesus gently responds. He says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Essentially, he's saying, I didn't tell you to talk about John. 
I didn't tell you to be like John. I didn't even tell you to sound like John. No one mentioned John. Why are you bringing him up? I told you to feed my sheep. You're so concerned with your status. This passion rises up within Peter again, and Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not what it's about. I think we do the same thing with our walk with Christ. We start to get passionate about Jesus, and we start to look around, and we're like, man, if only I could be like Pastor Chris. He's got it together. That's, that's how I want to be. For decades, I still struggle with this a little bit, if I'm honest. I've struggled with, I want to be like Pastor Richard Girton. Man, my dad is just a man of wisdom. He's the best Christian ever. If only I could be like Pastor Girton. For him, if only he could be like Pop Price, who, who started this church. There, there are those people in our lives that we look at and we say, yeah, but what about him? I'm trying to do this thing, but what about him? What if I could be more like him? We can't get lost in comparison. See, that's the passion of status, the passion of pride, the passion of comparison. When Jesus is calling you to be you and to love him in the way that you can love him so others will know his love. See, Jesus gives us a very clear mission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples. Do something with this love that I've shown you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Essentially, he says, do you love me? Then spread my love to this lost world. Don't hoard it in your cathedrals. Let it overflow into the streets to the very people you think don't deserve it because after all, you didn't deserve it either. And yet I gave it to you freely. See, it's easy to let our, ourselves get sucked into a feeling of superiority. I'm a Christian, so God loves me. I'm better because I have God's love. But God loves us in order that we might love others. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Here it is, the definition. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, this is us. Since God so loved us, what should we do with that love? We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You want this world to see God? Then let his love pour through you into others. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 simply puts it, do everything in love. All right, let's get back to Peter. Peter finally gets his passions reined in. He gets things figured out. Because Peter writes a book called 1 Peter, right? He writes a letter, and we read this verse earlier. And I think it's ironic that he uses the words that he uses here in 1 Peter 5.2. Be shepherds of God's flock. That's under your care, watching over them. 
What did Jesus say to him over and over? Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Tend my flock. Feed my lambs. And now Peter is like, hey, I'm a shepherd. We're shepherds of God's flock. That's what we're called to do. We should be watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So Peter was asked again, do you love me? And then given the command to feed my sheep, later he urges those who read his words to be shepherds to God's flock. Not because you must, but because you're willing, you're eager to serve, because you have the love of Jesus in you so much that you can't help it. That love is overflowing so much that you're like, I have to share this love with other people because there's no other love like it. So I ask you this morning, who are gathered here, who are gathered at home in your living rooms, do you love him? Do you love him? Really ask that question. Do you love him or am I just passionate about the idea of him? Am I willing to give up things in order to love God more? Am I willing to give up status, material possessions, social media, financial security, and indulgence and addiction? Maybe you've got something to fill in the blank there. I know I need to give this up, but I I just don't want to give it up. If you love him, you should be willing to give that up. And I'm speaking to myself right now as well. Also, if you love him, are you seeing the fruit of that love in the sheep around you? Are you feeding others around you and tending to them in humility? Are your posts online, your in-person conversations, is your personal countenance encouraging others to pursue the love of the great shepherd, or is it turning them away? In other words, as the portrait out there says, do others know the care of Christ through me? As we wrap up this morning, let's look at this command that Jesus gives us in John 13. We could wrap up the whole sermon in this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know you're a follower of Jesus if you will just love. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, as Chris already prayed, are in a world that is in desperate need of your love. And God, as we read this passage, we can easily put ourselves into the shoes of Peter. When have I denied Christ? When have I chosen my passions over him? Will you use us, Lord? If we truly love you, please use us. Let your love pour out into our hearts and overflow into those around us. Let us be willing to show love. And if you're here in this place or you're you're home this morning and you've never experienced God's love, I just encourage you to look into your heart to ask that question, do I love him? Maybe you need to say something like this, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. 
that I've messed up, that my passions have gotten the best of me, but I want to love you. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and he's given us that same power. And I ask God that I would be able to live for you. God, help me to be a, a man, a woman on fire for you, that lives for you, that loves for you. I ask that you be Lord of my life in this moment. And God, as we leave this place, we ask that you would continue to help move in our hearts that question, do I love him? Do others know the care of, of Christ through me? And to move us to action, to feed your sheep, to make disciples. God, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Amen.